Well, hello and welcome to today's podcast show. My special guest is Dr. Erica Lavelle. She's a general surgeon and she's a subspecial interest in bariatric surgery and robotics. And today she's just finished a very long day in the OR. So <laughs> thank you so much, Erica, for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So Erica's got a, a formal education in nutrition and psychology at the University of Idaho. And then she went on to the osteopathic medical school at the Pacific Northwest University. And then from there went into general surgery and really enjoys not only being a surgeon, but a health coach as well. And she's taken that interest in nutrition from way back into a modern day practice and now helps people on a one-to-one basis. So it's really great to, for the first time on the show, to be talking about the subject of nutrition. And I think both of us would agree something that's not discussed much in medical school, but something we need to take an interest in ourselves for us to move forward. But both of us have shared a common degree in biochem. So let's talk biochemistry, let's talk nutrition and see how we can help our audience with the pain subject. So yeah, so let's where will we start? Where did you get this interest in biochemistry? For me, it was just knowing that I wanted to be a healer and knowing that I wanted to get to medical school. So I went to university with an open mind and took my first chemistry class and nothing really clicked. But then I was taking organic chemistry and then I was starting, you know, I think some people when they just, when they start to learn math, you know, some people just get calculus and they realize that they can write equations that make sense of life. I was never that kind of math geek, but I was definitely that kind of chemistry geek. So it was like in my first organic chemistry courses, learning how sugars are constructed and alcohols are constructed and different molecules are constructed. And some pharmacists probably geek out and think, Ooh, this is how drugs are made. And I just looked at it in kind of a reverse aspect of, Oh, this is what your body's doing for you. Fast forward to nearly failing a chemistry class and I started to reevaluate, okay, what is this pathway to get to medical school and how relevant is this? And um, a friend of mine suggested, you should take a nutrition class, just how it all paralleled. So I ended up taking nutrition class, light bulb started going off, started clicking again, the whole Krebs cycle, the whole how our bodies use energy and then just recognizing that your food has value. And that when we eat high value foods, antioxidants, et cetera, oh, wow, now we make ATP. Now we actually make energy in our bodies. And so then that kind of like catapulted down the pathways of, okay, detoxification, how does the liver work? I remember first studying and learning the effects of alcohol on the body and just feeling really bad about myself because I was 19 and not taking care of myself. And, you know, my health was relatively suffering because of it. And and it was just great to actually know that the choices you make every day have such a high impact on your ability to perform. At that time, I also was getting heavily into running long distances and training for my first marathon. And so it was really fun for me to really apply these kind of nutritional concepts and then like push my body to the limits to see them in action. And there was nothing more exhilarating than feeling yourself about to bonk and just go like to empty to actually eat some sort of like sugary, slow carb, whatever 
sports fuel thing that they had at the time. Shot blocks were my favorite. But then to actually feel that glucose go into your cells to give you that much more energy and then to actually be able to like run faster and farther. It's not like I was just born with this. It's not like I have parents that taught me these things. It's just you go through life and you have a path and you have a goal and you just follow the things that spark you up and that, that, that light you up. And so I've really lived by that. And um, nutrition lights me up. Talking about the microbiome lights me up. And it's always lighted me up way more than pharmacology. And yes, I am a surgeon. But one of my favorite things about being a surgeon is that detail to anatomy and physiology that we had to learn. And then being able to really explain that to people, right? They're people. They're not patients. Like very word patient implies that they're suffering. I love the humanistic aspect of my job. And I love, 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 love teaching people what I know and getting them excited about it. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So we've got a person in front of us, could be somebody in our audience, and they want to know more about nutrition. And let's talk specifically for this podcast show about pain and how does this work? Now, what is the link between nutrition and pain? Can you share some of your knowledge on this? Absolutely. I think the first thing that comes to mind would be inflammation. And so when we think of inflammation, particularly in pain, it's really easy to equate. Um, This is how I explain pain, even just from a surgical perspective. But, you know, it's like you take a hammer, you hit your thumb, it turns red, it's throbbing, it's painful in that moment. So that is a experience of pain. And that is the type of pain that I induce with surgery. (laughs) Um, I've been learning a lot about pain, hence how you and I met Wayne. And so I will divulge into that aspect later, but into the just a very superficial, tangible nutrition pain pathway, inflammation. So what can we do in our daily lives, the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we think, the way we breathe, the way we drink water? How do all of these things work in concert to prevent inflammation? And our body is constantly making acid. So everything that we eat, everything that we drink, everything exercise, right? So lactic acid, all of these processes, equations, essentially, it's just chemistry. And so everything we eat, everything we put on our bodies is making acid. And we try to poop out acid. We try to pee out acid. We try to breathe out acid. And so principles of alchemy and transmutation, but, you know, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's just transformed from one aspect to the other. So in regards to nutrition and what we do to our bodies in terms of food that causes inflammation, whole, real, natural food. I always tell people, if it doesn't have a label, it's good for you. And, you know, the least processed, the better and as many fruits and vegetables as your heart desires. And when we talk about fluids and things that we drink, I think as simple as water, herbal tea, coffee isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a superfood either, but all things in moderation. And I really try to make nutrition approachable for people. In my line of work, you know, I'm dealing with obesity sometimes, not always, not always, but sometimes very distorted relationships with food and distorted relationships with people's bodies. And so that's a whole other layer and element is this kind of mind-body connection to our guts. 
And speaking of mind-body connection and pain, I have been learning from Kevin Kukaro, who has done a really good job working with his patients, talking about what are these other sensory and emotional and cognitive aspects to pain and what, what the experience of pain is. And where I look at what his teachings are from a nutritional perspective is this. Our bodies are amazing. Our brains are computer software in programs. And every memory, every experience, every color, every sight, every sound, the older we get, our brain is making new experiences, new emotions, new thoughts based off of old things that have happened to it. Now this is getting into like PTSD and depression, anxiety. What are our triggers, right? So that can be a positive thing or a negative thing. But in regards to, again, nutrition, our food gets broken down. It gets transmutated in our bodies to make hormones, to make neurotransmitters. The very hormones that we like to treat in so-called medicine with antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicines, narcotics, and anti-inflammatories, right? So the way that we live and understand how our bodies work, the better we can make all of these feel-good hormones, feel-good endorphins, anti-inflammatory mechanisms on our own without messing up all the biochemistry and having all the side effects to just create more acid in the body, which is the source of inflammation. So we need to be pooping. We need to be breathing. Just breathing is the fastest way that you can change your chemistry. And urinating, right? So we just need to be drinking water, going to the bathroom, eating lots of colors, fruits and vegetables, and gentle movement. We don't need to run marathons or do CrossFit. We just need to be able to move and to feel good. And that's it. It's simple. Very, very simple. And I love it how you've tied it back to the acid production. And sure enough, you know, as we're doing slow, deep breathing, we're breathing off carbon dioxide, which is less acid. And we're peeing out, you know, lots of fluid for drink, optimal, you know, herbal teas and water predominantly. And I think it's very important. In addition to this is we really enjoy things, exactly. you know, when we're doing it. Enjoy that coffee, yeah. enjoy that meal, enjoy that breath, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. As I was talking to Karen Wagner recently about the same subject, you know, really enjoy things. And we get the heart involved as well in the positive feeling as you were talking about and the hormone, the good factor for hormones of serotonin. Absolutely. Oxytocin. I didn't even talk about oxytocin at the conference. Oxytocin is one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah, I think probably the most toxic thing in our environment are our thoughts. We have so much negative self-talk and so much doubt and so much fear. Yeah, and we need to learn to let go. Let go of that sphere, you know, and just replace them with good thoughts, different thoughts, mm-hmm. positive thoughts, you know, real thoughts. But to be proactive and to be conscious. Mm, conscious. conscious is, yeah. What we're doing, you know, and I find more and more as patients listen to this message that they get it. Let's just talk briefly on which hormones then are we improving with a healthy diet. You mentioned whole real food. You mentioned lots of fruit and veggies. You mentioned the colorful diet when we talked and when you shared your presentation in (laughs) Lebanon a few weeks ago in Oregon. Uh, Less processed foods you mentioned, lots of water, herbal teas. 
So which are the good hormones that we're actually producing with this good diet? So I'll speak to the three that I spoke to mostly at the conference that are just easy to understand, very tangible. Serotonin, it used to be thought, I mean, even when I was in medical school and probably you as well, used to be thought that all of these neurotransmitters, serotonin is the one that makes us feel happy, right? Or feel less emotionally labile. It is the most common target for antidepressants. SSRIs, selective serotonin receptor antagonists, they increase the amount of serotonin that's available in the brain. Well, 80 to 90% of it, so we know now, you know, post 2008, 2012, is made in our gut. And not only is it made in our gut by our own bodies, but it's actually made in our gut by the gut bacteria. And so this is where, again, there's another layer to nutrition. Nutrition isn't just about being on paleo or keto or, you know, you name it, whatever diet you want to call it. It's not about that. It's about what is this synergistic symbiotic relationship that is going on inside my body. The human to human genome is roughly 99, 98% identical. You know, you and me, Wayne, we are very identical in terms of our genetics. We are homo sapiens who've had some sort of shared ancestry. I did 23andMe and I am 55% Scott-Irish, so I'm sure we have a common ancestor somewhere. Um, And, you know, when it comes down to the bacteria and viruses that live inside each individual, particularly in the gut, but also on the skin, in the eyes in the genitalia, right? In every single nook and cranny, we have a microscopic ecosystem, literally a forest floor of microorganisms that are actually performing the very metabolic functions that we studied in biochemistry. And so when you think about mitochondria, and this is where you know some people get really excited about mitochondria and mitochondrial function because what the mitochondria does in each side, each human cell, in each mammal cell, all living life basically, the mitochondria actually converts most commonly sugar, but our food into energy. And that energy is called ATP. And so keeping these bacterial relationships within our body in sync. And there's so many things that can throw them off, but it comes down to feeding them. And so they eat the very same substrates that we eat. In fact, the same bacteria that have been found in the ocean floor have been found within human guts. There's now findings that bacteria are in the human brain. And it all makes sense to me, maybe not to overtly to others, but particularly in osteopathic medical school, we learned a lot of hands-on techniques regarding the flow of lymphatics and can actually feel energy move from head to toe within a person's body. We call that cranial sacral rhythm or the primary respiratory mechanism. Many other cultures that practice this type of mind-body medicine that just uses your hands as a tool. So basically, your body's a computer. And it talks to itself with these microorganisms in the forms of text messages and Bluetooth and everything. It's all-knowing. You are already an all-knowing infinite universe. That is beautiful. And so now that we know these bacteria are there and we can keep them happy, they will keep us happy. 
And it really is the synergistic relationship. Serotonin used to be thought only made in the human brain. Eh, wrong. It's actually made by the gut bacteria in our guts. 90% of it's there. We're all unique. We are 90 plus percent unique in our microbiomes, human to human. So there's also a genetic component, but then there's an epigenetic component. Epigenetics being the lifestyle ways we live, the things we eat, the things we drink, the thoughts we have that can actually turn on expression of different genes. So we have an opportunity now through science, through consciousness, through mindfulness, through compassion to actually heal and recover and to do it in a way that we actually understand it. It's pretty fascinating. So serotonin is made in the gut. Serotonin is made from amino acid precursors. Those amino acid precursors come in the form of protein. You don't have to eat animal protein products only to get these amino acids. You just have to be able to digest food appropriately. Um, tyrosine specifically is one of the main amino acid precursors. You get that in any meat product, most dairy products, a bunch of whole grain sources, lentils, beans, etc. Again, just think whole foods. I can't tell you specifically which vegetables are rich in tyrosine, although I do know that bananas are very rich in tryptophan. Um, but so, you know, there's a handful of amino acids that are very key regulators here, a bunch of coenzymes and cofactors. So minerals are also really important. Again, the demands of your body are different every day. And that's why I find lab work very challenging because who's to say in 10 minutes from now, you're not stressed or you don't come down with a virus or have an illness and then the demand is different. So, you know, again, if we can be more plugged in, more conscious, more aware of our bodies and more intuitive, I really feel like health should be a more of an intuitive practice. And this is very practical sense. You know, what should you be eating? Well, ask yourself, what should you be eating? If you just pay attention and ask yourself, you often know the answer before you even need to go looking for it. Serotonin, feel-good hormone, made in the gut, comes from protein precursors, but you can get those proteins a variety of things. Serotonin feeds into melatonin pathways. So again, if you don't have enough serotonin, if you don't have the right amount of gut bacteria, if you aren't feeding your guts good food, vegetables, fruits, plant foods, healthy meats, et cetera, then we're not going to be able to get the sleep we need. Melatonin is really helpful for sleep. If we aren't sleeping, we aren't going into REM. REM is that period of time where we actually paralyze our bodies. When we paralyze our bodies, I have a strong intuitive impression that that is essential for life and for healing. And so I think that is also really crucial for our ability to heal and recover from pain. And I say this somewhat anecdotally, but you know, trying to run a bunch of marathons and whatnot. I got a little injury prone. My left knee got a stress fracture and going through medical school and residency, residency specifically. But if I had like a week where I got even two or three nights of, you know, one or two hours of sleep, you bet that knee pain came back. And then it's same thing. I got pregnant and then postpartum, you're up every two hours with a newborn baby. That knee hurt for four months. I couldn't get it to go away. And I was like fretting over it. And then magically, I got my first night of eight hours of sleep, pain gone. It should be an intuitive practice. It should be an intuitive connection. The fact that our bodies are so entangled with our environments. 
Awesome, <laughs> Erica. Wonderful, wonderful chat. I've been very quiet and I've just listened and taken some notes, always learning. And just wonderful to see how you've tied this beautiful pathway from, you know, what we're eating right through into the gut and on into our sleep and thus back to pain. And I'm sure when we're doing things healthily and our bodies are reflecting it over and above even the the thoughts and the the emotions, because that's a big area that we talk about. But even in this domain, it's literally a brand new area where I think people can start to believe that they can actually help themselves. They can actually help their pain from what they're putting in their mouth. You know, nutrition. So I'm going to wrap this one up here. This is a really good place, I think, to end. I'd love to have you back because I've got some more questions to ask you. Oh, I'd love to. On that subject of the microbiome, because I think we need to understand this more. And you've touched on a a lot of interesting points, which I'd like to um, discover a bit more later. So again, thank you so much for your time. It's been a long day for you. Thank you for all you do with your patients. And it's just amazing to be talking to a a colleague and a surgeon who does this in addition to going into the OR as well. So kudos to you. Keep up the good work. So thank you so much. And we'll certainly get you back on this podcast. (laughs)